G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, always a pleasure to welcome Ashley Saunders to 2020 on a Thursday, a regular update. Hello, Ashley. Uh, Welcome back to 2020. Uh, Good morning, Neil. Great to be with you again. Ashley, uh, National Director, Family Voice Australia, you're in Adelaide today. Let's talk, first of all, about safe schools and the radical sex education that's being taught to children at school. Just recently, uh, there was uh, that controversial psychologist, Jordan Peterson, who gave some advice to parents who were worried that their children were being taught propaganda in class. And he said... You take your children out of that class, they're not being educated, they're being indoctrinated. And that led a group of parents uh, to organising a international, what's called a sex ed sit-out. That's planned for next Monday, 23rd of April, in the United States, Canada, and Australia was invited to participate too. Ashley Saunders, you were monitoring that along. It's not going to quite work so well in Australia, is it? Well, partly because uh, next Monday, the 23rd, in many of our states, children are still on school holidays. Uh, Schools returned from the autumn break in Queensland this week, uh, but many other states uh, only started uh, their holidays this week. And so uh, that's one of the problems. Um, I I guess in terms of the substance of of the movement, uh, I applaud uh, anything that gives the idea, the, the, the confirms rather, to parents that they actually do have a say in what their children are taught. Can I I say, uh, first of all, that most of your listeners would now be aware that when you use the expression, or I use the expression, safe schools, they were actually talking about a program by that name. We would all support the idea that our schools should be safe, but the so-called safe schools program is actually not about making schools safe. It's about indoctrinating children uh, about uh, issues of gender and sex uh, and about gender fluidity and uh, those types of things that are very detrimental, especially to young children. Ashley Saunders, an interesting question, I think, comes to mind for parents when you discuss the idea of withdrawing your children for a day as a protest. Uh, Can you do that? Is it legal? Is this something that has some sort of precedent in the past uh, when parents actually get the idea? And as I understand it, uh, this is in a very short space of time uh, risen to something that's quite significant. Uh, 22,000 parents in those three nations we mentioned have signed a petition that supports this sex ed sit out. Uh, When parents think about, is that something relevant? Can I do that in Australia? Would I be frowned upon? Is that illegal? Uh, What are your thoughts? on whether parents can do that. Uh, I would actually go back a step and say, is it legal that uh, the state um, has the control over what my my children are taught? Uh, Because uh, it's been a recognised fundamental human right since the 1940s that not only uh, is every individual entitled to freedom of thought, conscience and belief, but that as part of that, parents are entitled as a fundamental human right to raise their children 
in conformity with their belief. And it's worth knowing, it's worth mentioning that, that this whole idea about gender fluidity, what they call gender theory or queer theory, that it's not based in science. It's, it, it, it's a theory that has no grounding in, in biology or other science at all. It's all based on um, an idea that my gender is different to my biological sex. And the reality is that whereas a very, very small percentage of the population have gender confusion, and for those who have it, it's a very real and difficult thing to live through, one, it's only a very small percentage of the population, and secondly, most of the children who are gender confused work that out um, through adolescence so that by the time they become adults, they have come to grips with their true identity based on their biological sex. And so it's worth mentioning both of those things um, because um, in, in opposing what these children are being taught, at, but we're actually saying we're standing up for our rights as parents to, to not have our children indoctrinated in something that has no, no grounding in science and no place in education. So this will happen in the US on Monday and in Canada, but it doesn't really work for Australia, as you say, because uh, the timing isn't so right. Uh, I know that the Queensland uh, students are back at school, but there's a number of states right now that are in the middle of school holidays, not going to work. Is there some sort of alternative date that's being suggested? Uh, I'm not yet aware of that, uh, but certainly, Neil, if... Um if I become aware of an alternate date, uh, I'll let you know so that you can pass it on to your listeners. Uh, the interesting thing here, Ashley, before we move on, is uh, there's something good in the idea that parents are insisting on being informed about what their children are being taught at school and not just being steamrolled here. Uh, there is something important in that, isn't there? Oh, there, there really is. And it comes down to that fundamental question, uh, question of who... Uh, whose responsibility is it to, to educate my children? Now, I think uh, all of your listeners would agree that we have an obligation as parents to ensure that our children are educated. But is that my responsibility to educate my children, in which case I either delegate that on a day-to-day -day basis to a, um, a, a government-run school or to an independent school, or is it, in fact, the state's responsibility to educate my children? Now, I would imagine that the vast majority, if not all of your listeners, would agree with me when I say it's actually my responsibility as a parent to educate my children. Um, they, are, they are entrusted to my care, and uh, as a Christian, I have, um, uh, I have a God-given responsibility to nurture them and to nurture them in the ways of the Lord. That means that I uh, will only delegate the responsibility on a day-to-day -day basis for educating my children um, to a school uh, with which I have confidence and to sit in classes that are not in conflict uh, with my beliefs or which do not, in fact, confuse uh, my children. Uh, a few weeks ago, I mentioned that when I was in uh, Britain uh, earlier this year, there was uh, a fellow who spoke at a consultation at Westminster Parliament who reported, he runs a similar organisation to us, and he reported that uh, only the week before, a, a mother of a five-year-old boy um, had rung him, really concerned that the boy had come home with his uh, photo of his head um, pasted to the body of a girl in a dress. And when she asked what it was all about, he said, my teacher today told us that we needed to decide whether we're a boy or a girl. Now, that mother was horrified, and rightly so, 
Um, how dare people in the name of education not only indoctrinate but confuse our children? OK, let's move on because there's other issues and there is a certain sense in which uh, there's a public indoctrination going on. The idea that there are thought police out there that want to tell us what we can and cannot think. Uh, I'm just led to this whole controversy that surrounds Israel Folau and uh, that story that started more than a week ago now but it continues uh, to fascinate the media. Uh, any thoughts on uh, update on what's happening with Israel Folau? Well, yes, yes, there are, because uh, yesterday and today there have been further developments so that uh, yesterday there was um, a rugby union player um, at a super, at super rugby level uh, who came out and said that he was disgusted with Falau's opinion and went so far as to say that he can't stand the idea of uh, playing against people like Falau. Yesterday, a high-profile gay referee uh, condemned Falau's uh, views um, that um, gay people are destined for hell unless they repent of their sins. And then this morning, an All Blacks rugby union player came out uh, condemning what he said. Uh, and it raises the question about what inclusive means. Uh, rugby union says that it is an inclusive game regardless of race and creed and religion and uh, sexuality and so on. But it seems to me that it's inclusive of everybody except those who espouse a biblical worldview. And has it escaped the attention of the commentators that the issue in terms of Qantas raising their concerns and the rugby CEO, that this is an issue of largely privileged white men and women actually taking on a man of colour? Uh, th there's a whole range of inconsistencies here that I don't think are being properly worked through. You raise a lot of important questions in that, Ashley Saunders, and uh, I wish we could get into all of those, but we're going to have to move on because time is short because I wanted to ask you too about other huge stories, big developments that are happening uh, not only just here in Australia but around the world. I wanted to get your thoughts because I know that uh, Christian believers are interested in what uh, Christian thinking might be on uh, big issues like Syria. Uh, the potential there for the type of pressure cooker situation that could even ignite a third world war. What are your thoughts on Syria and the developments this past week? Uh, firstly, my heart breaks for the men, the women, the children, the families in Syria who have been living through atrocities for too many years. Um, and, and, and I am confident that our Lord's heart breaks for them as they suffer, um, as they find themselves caught um, between a rock and a hard place. Um, that's the first and foremost consideration, and I would urge listeners to pray for the people of Syria, to especially pray for Christians in Syria, who regardless of which side ultimately wins the war there, are likely to face persecution. Um, within that context, um, th there are so many um, different countries involved in Syria taking different sides that it really does start to look like what was happening in Europe uh, prior to World War I in particular, where, where the, the, there were the, the, the different allies who were involved in different countries. And many, again, the older of your listeners and those who've studied history would remember that in many ways the spark for World War I was that uh, Archduke Ferdinand was, was shot dead. Um, and just in terms of who had alliances with which people in what countries ended up in a world war. And, um, and so at the moment we have, you know, on one side, 
um, Syria and Russia and Iran and Hezbollah. Uh, on the other side, we have um, uh, Britain and France and USA and their allies. Uh, then, of course, neighbouring countries like Turkey um, and, uh, and Iraq and Saudi Arabia have a real interest. Uh, Israel has a real interest, and um, Iran believes that Israel is involving itself um, in this war. And so it really does have the potential to be a powder keg that could very well ignite into something um, just incredibly large. And, uh, and I sincerely pray it won't. Uh, but I do pray that, um, that those of us um, who have trust in the Lord would continue to look to him and would continue to live each day. I guess there's a sense in which when there is the prospect of war, we're urged to live urgently. We always should. Uh, we should look to the future, but we should also live today um, for our Lord and, and to do what we can today um, to live for him and to make a difference in the world. And of course, things so complicated in Syria, it's very easy for all sorts of aspects of the conflict uh, to just spiral out of control. And it really is a prayer point for Christian believers uh, to keep that situation before God and uh, and also to uh, just uh, to examine our own context of what that means uh, when there is the potential for war. Uh, one more issue before I let you go, Ashley Saunders. Uh, it's an issue of integrity, and really it comes to integrity in business and industry around the whole nation. Uh, the Financial Services Royal Commission's heard that AMP misled the corporate regulator and its customers on the issue of charging clients for financial advice that was apparently not provided. Uh, it really is a challenging thing, and uh, it's the banks, but now AMP. Uh, yes, and, um, uh, and, and as the Royal Commission brings out more um, evidence and uh, more admissions, I think uh, people around Australia have every right to be concerned. One of the things about uh, the evidence that was given yesterday about AMP um, is, because one of the questions about the Royal Commission is, is, is this ultimately a waste of time? Is, does, do the regulators already have enough powers to investigate and to, to punish what they find? And certainly the Treasurer um, said yesterday that uh, ASIC is already um, investigating and does have the powers to take even criminal action against people that could land them in jail. Uh, from a consumer point of view, um, I think it, it's just frightening uh, some of the revelations that there are about some of the ways in which these large companies have been operating and uh, the idea that there would be an issue known as fee-for-no service. I mean, that, that's an amazing concept. And uh, again, um, what does Christianity have to offer our nation? Well, um, Christianity uh, has um, the, the, the ability to offer true integrity to our nation. Uh, and, and I'm reminded of, of Daniel back in the Old Testament when he was uh, in Persia and when he found favour with uh, King Darius. And so the other locals were jealous of him and they tried to find fault with him. And they said that in his government uh, duties, in the exercise of his duties, he was faithful, he was always responsible and completely trustworthy. And uh, that's a sobering thought for me and uh, I hope that it's uh, an encouragement as well as a sobering thought for all of your listeners to ensure that while looking at what's happening in the financial services, that we also don't ignore how we act and to ensure that um, in the power of the Holy Spirit we act faithfully, responsibly 
and that we're trustworthy. And of course, when it comes to issues of integrity and flowing on from that, uh, issues of corruption, it starts uh, with us as individuals and in our own business pursuits, even at a small level, and then right up through uh, to these top levels and big organisations and uh, issues of the heart are very important. And that's very much where our Christian faith uh, functions and issues of the heart and who we are in the way that we are under God, the transcendent Almighty God who uh, is looking over our lives. Ashley Saunders, always so good getting your insights. I'll point people to the website for Family Voice Australia, fava.org.au. Ashley, thanks for joining us today on 2020. Uh, It's been a pleasure, Neil. All the best to you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.